This is Star Talk. Welcome, welcome to Star Talk. Bill Nye here. And this week on Cosmic Queries, I'm joined by none other than Chuck Nice. Chuck, it's good to see you. Always good to see you, Bill. And this week, our Cosmic Query topic yes. is expanding our perspectives. That's correct. Ooh. Is that the sound effect that goes along with well, expanded it's just, it's perspectives? Well, it's a zoom out. It's got to be right. We're zooming out. It's an iris out. <laughs> so, Chuck, you have the great list of Cosmic Queries, which come to us from our listeners. Yes, they do, from all over the internets. Ex- and we're going to expand our perspective. Yes, we are. Uh, we've got some great questions from Facebook, Twitter, uh, StarTalkRadio.net, and every other incarnation where we live. These uh, are electronic media. These are electronic that the media. kids use. Yes, that's with right. With their electric computer machines. That's right. And I, th- I think we're on everything except Snapchat because... Uh, you know, it just doesn't last long. It doesn't enough. last long enough, and <laughs> nobody wants to see us naked. So uh, oh, that's very troubling. That's image. <laughs> did, yeah, lead on. Did I disturb you there? Just a little. Okay, so listen. Let's just jump into it. You haven't seen the questions. That's the way it works, and it's just really, uh, you know, the great thing about expanding your uh, your perspectives is a lot of this uh, is science as well as Bill Nye's actual opinion so we got a little cypinion going on here cypinion cypinion quite the coinage yes all wow. right so let's go with uh nelson sa okay from facebook this is a pretty decent question i like uh, you know uh, you have to sound so surprised our listeners are a very sophisticated <laughs> bunch you know what i just realized that that i did sound that way well <laughs> like, hey this was hey, to this let it go i would have been remiss so lead right on. okay so nelson from facebook says this have nasa's zero gravity experiments had any useful breakthroughs which better our society so i i assume that uh, nelson means outside of space travel where of course it is directly applicable but here on earth do those zero-gravity experiments do anything for us down here who are living in gravity? I'd say there's one thing specifically. They mm-hmm. have uh, led to research in bone health. Really? Yeah. So these modern bone medicines uh, wouldn't probably they probably wouldn't be the way they are without all these uh, discoveries made in zero or so-called microgravity, mm-hmm. where people have very low gravity. Your bones, you know, you look at a skeleton right. there in the museum, mm-hmm. let's say of American Museum of Natural History, for example, Okay, uh, and uh, they are solid. They look like rocks, but <clears throat> bones get flexed. They're alive. And if you stop putting a load on them, they get weak. And uh, this is one of the things they discovered about astronauts in space for a long time, or even a medium amount of time. They lost their bones, their calcium. They would urinate it away. Is that because uh, the body just realizes, well, there's no need. I, I'm, not, I'm not using this. I don't need it. <clears throat> yes, and, and when you say realizes, uh, reacts as though it yes. realized. Yeah. Yes, that's and my s- non-scientific way of saying the body reacts. Body reacts, yeah. And so uh, now people take pills to keep their bones going. And so they've speculated, people who are in this world – Speculate that you could go to Mars in nearly zero gravity just by taking the right drugs. You could keep your bones. So this is affecting health on Earth. The other thing, we've learned so much about physics writ large by watching people bounce around in microgravity. Oh, really? Yeah, you just, I mean, you just watch how things happen. You learn about torques and reactions, sort of classical physics. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Nice. All right. So, and do do, do any of those uh, observations, as, especially when it comes to watching uh, objects or people bounce around in zero g, does that do anything in any particular industry? Like, I'm thinking maybe the automobile industry might be able to, uh, you know. Go ahead. Two things people all dreamt of was new alloys, okay, of metal right. that would only be fabricable if I may coin the adjective, in space or in nearly zero gravity. That hasn't panned out or alloyed out. And then the other one was sophisticated drug molecules that you could create more easily in zero gravity than you could create on Earth. And while that sounds reasonable, when you're working at the molecular level, uh, gravity isn't the main thing. It's Mm -hmm. sort of viscosity 
just stickiness of molecules or overwhelms the gravitational effect. With that said, Mm -hmm. who knows what lies ahead, what discovery is yet to be made. And they study, they, we, people, astronauts, study spiders who are still able to capture prey even though there's zero gravity. Even in zero gravity. They have trouble spinning webs. They have trouble spinning webs, but but they somehow can still... It's a learning curve or it's a learning process. Spider right. jumps and misses. Spider adjusts, jumps and gets. So there's something going on spider brain-wise. Right. Compensating for zero gravity. So what you and I think with our inner ears and how we roll or <clears throat> keep from rolling, you think that <laughs> we think that sp- you might project that on spiders and other arthropods, but they got something else going on. There's nice. something else going on. And so you wouldn't really learn that without experiments in zero gravity or or uh, near zero gravity. Well, that's great. So zero gravity, there you have it, Nelson, uh, doing uh, great things for us as a society uh, and for spiders as well. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> for example. <laughs> for example. But you know, Spider-Man, one of the things that he can do, he can do whatever a spider can. This is true. He can uh, spin, spin a web any, any size. size. Catches thieves just like flies. Look out. Here comes the Spider-Man. <laughs> but we've all dreamed of being able to hang upside down without blood going to our brain. Spiders apparently are able to roll yes. or hang. And I have dreamed of hanging upside down and uh, kissing Mary Jane, my girlfriend, who doesn't know that I'm a radioactive superhero. All right, I'm going to move wow. on now because that was uh, that was kind of weird and creepy, and I don't know why. It wasn't really creepy. It's okay. just a digression. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is Chad William Harden. He is uh, coming to us through Facebook from Irvine, California. And he says this. My question is, can physics explain why time seems to speed up as we get older? <laughs> Could this have something to do with the entanglement and the more interactions we have with each passing day or the expansion of the universe, decreasing density and altering time itself? Chad, I want some of what you are smoking. (laughs) Well, here's what I say to people like that, where we start any of these things. Chad, you may be right. <laughs> but far more likely, it seems to me, is that each day as you get older becomes a smaller fraction of your total number of days. Right. And so <clears throat> each day blends in with the others more easily. When you're five years old, a day is That's a long time. That's yeah, right. That's when, a long time. When you're 55 years old, it's a day in, you know, 55,000. Have we talked about 30,000 days? No, we haven't. So if things go really well for you, Chuck, right. and you live to be 82 and seven weeks, okay. a month and three quarters. A month and three quarters. You get 30,000 days. Wow. 30,000 days. When you're five years old or maybe Chad's age, 30,000 sounds like a, you know, a lot. That's a big, big time. Big, That's a long period of time. But when you get up near it, yeah. it doesn't seem like that many at all. So the days behind you- are bigger, are than, bigger the days, than the days in front of you. Yeah. As a deal. result, time seems to speed <laughs> seems up. to speed up. That's right. Wow. It could be dilation of the time space, space-time continuum. Could be. But more likely is just the arithmetic fraction denominator getting bigger than numerator. Right. But the truth is it's, it's a perspective at that point. It really mm-hmm. is a pers- your perspective. So the, the five-year-old has a different perspective of time than you do. You at, hope so. At 65. <laughs> you and hope so. so. Uh, you, right, you hope so. Unless you're that Benjamin Bratt. Uh, oh, no, Benjamin Button. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did we do? To, what did he do to tick you off? He kept getting younger. Yes, you're he just, just mad at him. Yeah. At, <laughs> let me tell you something. I'm so PO'd at that guy. Okay. Take comfort. He's, he's not real. He's living my dream, though. Real or not. Hey, Chad, thanks for the question. That was... Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, so there you have it. Who was, who was he interacting with in the movie? Who, Benjamin Button? Kate uh, Blanchett, is that right? Was it, was it Kate Blanchett? Well, that would be a good dream. That's a solid dream. Right <laughs> we this can was, say interacting on radio? Yes, he can. Yeah, mm-hmm. Matt Ellie. No, no, I'm doing this wrong. I'm going to say it's Matt Eli, even though it's spelled E-L-Y. Matt Eli. Matt. Matt, Matt, Matt what's Eli. your what's your what's on your mind perspectively? So Matt is coming from Facebook and he says, Is there a moment that sticks out in your memory, Bill, when you have witnessed someone else's cosmic perspective expand when they weren't seeking it, but it happened anyway? 
Steve Jobs experimented with hallucinogenics, and it aided him greatly. So I think Matt is looking for tacit approval from you for him to do psychotropic drugs. Uh, I don't. I don't recommend those. <laughs> okay. Uh, however, I am a host on this show, and you know when you work with Neil, wine is often yes flowing, the show. flowing. Yeah. Yes. That's it. Uh, it's happened more than once, and it has been with the planet Saturn. Okay. I set up a telescope. I have a modest 80-millimeter telescope. It's enough to look at planets. Yes, it is. And you get a 30 times or better, 50-time magnification. Woman looks through the eyepiece and goes, whoa, whoa. Sends me postcards the next day, like just is a, in romance with uh, Saturn. Oh, okay. Sending you postcards of Saturn. No, no. Just some, sending some you postcards. Things, some things. Okay. Uh, but it was... Uh, it's happened more than once. When people look at the planet Saturn, I claim they have a cosmic moment. And your your perspective is enlarged. People think it's now. Why just Saturn? I mean, well, I think it's because it's inherently, intrinsically so pretty. So it's such a beautiful object. Okay. And there's this moment. It's happened. I, I can't. I cannot count more than a handful of times when people say, "Did you put a slide in there? Did you put a slide in the other telescope while I wasn't looking?" No, that's it. That's actually <laughs> that's Saturn. Actually You're Saturn. looking at it. When the planes of the plane of the rings is especially favorable, it's especially beautiful. Well, I am sure Carolyn Porco would be very happy to hear you say that. Uh I hope so. She's <laughs> the uh, leader of the Cassini team, if you're scoring along with us. Uh, Cassini was the mathematician who predicted the gaps in the rings mathematically and after whom the spacecraft is named. Right. The Cassini spacecraft, mm -hmm. which took pictures and, you know. Still does. Still, it's still taking pictures. Your tax dollars at work, people. And uh, you know what? That's a better uh, use of tax dollars than most of the stuff that's happening. I'm sorry. Testify, Chuck Nice. <laughs> Testify. <laughs> Hey, Matt, Eli, there's the answer, man. So the cosmic perspective expands. Do not recommend the when, psychotropic. Right. Don't, do the, don't do the drugs, man. Buy a telescope and look at Saturn. There's your answer. Okay? And, you know, Steve Jobs, although he brought success to some companies, he also rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And one cannot help but wonder if he wouldn't have been even more successful. If he didn't rub those people the wrong way? Yeah, if he'd, uh, if he'd stayed focused. Right. But uh, who knows? Listen, I've we're, had, we're speculating on it. We can't. I I've had my share of problems for rubbing people the wrong way. I am shocked. <laughs> Your last name is not Chuck Rub the Wrong Way. <laughs> You're Chuck Nice. People have expectations, or maybe that's the that's the That's switch, the problem. You see? That is the problem. That's where you go light-fingered on them. Yeah. <laughs> you expect this, and you get that. That's right. Okay. Nice. Chuck Mean. <laughs> Chuck Mean. Oh, my God. Uh, just as, a, uh, as I digress for a second, uh, there's a club owner here in New York City who calls me that. Calls you Chuck, Chuck Mean. Chuck He was like, I'm the one who knows the truth. No one knows the truth. Well, that's not bad. <laughs> You're Chuck Mean. So I still let the record show. I still have great interest in meeting your wife. You know, I have to tell you. Because um, she's got to be extraordinary. She is an extraordinary woman. <laughs> and you know what? I got to tell you, you and I are in the same boat. I still look very much forward to meeting my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been living together for 18 years. But yeah. you work nights. That's there you go. Very clever, <laughs> Mr. Nice. <laughs> this is uh, Lissandro Gutierrez. Lissandro Gutierrez uh, must be coming to us from Twitter, although she doesn't say. So uh, Lissandro wants to know this. Wow, look at this, man. When you say expanding perspectives, people pretty much go to one place. She says, would it be better for marijuana to be available as a prescription drug for those who truly need it or be available for recreational purposes? What are your thoughts on marijuana? Well, I'll give you two separate uh, uh, tines of this fork. Okay, and, I, and and let me just say before you answer that, that uh, Lissandro comes to us from Patreon. So uh, this, is a, this is a Patreon question. So we must give it special attention, Mr. Nye. Well, uh, there are two tines to this fork for me. The first one is in Washington State, in the United States, they claim that their new marijuana laws are working in the following way. They've reduced the number of DUIs driving under the influence. They don't have – policemen don't have to spend as much time pursuing what used to be petty offenders when people have a small amount of marijuana with them. Right. 
And uh, not that it's hard to pursue somebody who's high on marijuana. <laughs> dude, let me just tell but, you, yeah, dude. And uh, I would run right now, but yeah. <laughs> but so it's an income stream instead of a burden. But I will say that's the first tine of the fork. The other one, just for me, I do not like the smell. I'm not I'm not a fan of marijuana. See, I'm just I I, I don't <clears throat> mind the smell of marijuana. Uh, I like the smell of cocaine a lot better. Uh, but, mm, can't mm. hear you. Can't hear you. <laughs> and so the thing is, if if marijuana is taxed and we have an education program, because I I I mean this is anecdotal, Chuck. Go ahead. Just people I've known who've smoked marijuana for a long time. Long time. Some of them are completely unaffected, but some of them just. They seem like they get stupider. Well, yes. And so I think it's related, or not related, it's a, a similar pattern to what you see with alcohol. Right. Some people are tolerant of it, some people aren't. Correct. And so I'm all for legalizing marijuana so long as we include an education program with it. Like it, some people are not going to be able to do it. You know, and this is, uh, it's what you just say right there is very important. And I agree with you exactly in that same way because I myself used to. And when I say used and to, look, he's fine. And no, I'm not. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> I am not fine. <laughs> I used to smoke marijuana and, um, it's not that I'm dumb. That's it right there. There you go. I used and, to smoke um, and um, uh, <laughs> like what happened was. Right. No, so I used to smoke marijuana, but it's, I'm not done with marijuana. It's done with me. So I, I, you lost me. So what happened? What you took a meeting? <laughs> no, it just it fired you. It stopped working. Oh, I see. It, oh. The, the 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 desired effect that I wanted was no longer available. Uh, it did not produce the desired effect, and so basically, I would smoke it, become very paranoid, and that would be the entire experience. Me sitting alone in a room, going, "There's a lot of people in here," and I was by myself. So you stopped doing. So it. I stopped because it just it wasn't. What working. was the effect you were going for before? Uh, that whole I would run right now, officer. But yeah, a uh, sense of well being. Yeah, exactly. Like the sense of well being. Like who cares? Everything is great. You know. Now I have a friend who told me I'm just smoking the wrong marijuana. But that's a whole nother conversation. That sounds like a pushing person. <laughs> no, it sounds like a guy who's trying to make a sale. That's my dealer, right? <laughs> No, I don't mean to. No, he wasn't. He's not. Oh, no. No, no. He's just a guy who always had it, and I bought it from him. That's all you're saying. That doesn't make him a drug dealer, (laughs) right? And so with that thought, uh, uh, we've expanded our perspectives somewhat, and we're going to expand them further in the coming minutes here on Star Talk. Appreciate everybody who's sending your perspectival questions in, and we will join you, Bill Nye and Chuck Nice, right after this. Welcome back. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. This is Bill Nye hosting this week, and I'm joined by a man with extraordinary cosmic perspective, none other than Chuck Nice. Yes. And we are taking your uh, input with respect to a cosmic perspective. Yes. And we finished the last segment <laughs> with some mind expansion questions about uh, smoking marijuana. And the role of the pusher person in Chuck's <laughs> which, life at one time. Which, by the way, I, I think from now on, the pushing person is the new term to be used well, it's, for anyone who is a purveyor of substances. <laughs> you well, are, it's a politically correct. You can't go generalizing. You might think the pusher man right. was a guy, but it could be. It's a pushing person. A woman. I like yeah. it. I love it. Hey, you know what? Since we're on that since we're back on that theme, I got to ask this question. Uh, this is Matt Eli, again, who, who sent in. He's a, prolific. He is. If Matt's a man. And, 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 you never know, because it could be, uh, could be Matilda. Um, this is what Matt wants to know. Uh, have you, Bill Nye, ever experimented with any perception-altering drugs or aids that have expanded your perspective no. I mean, I've enjoyed alcoholic beverages. I don't okay. know if that's expanded my perspective. It's definitely reduced my inhibitions. <laughs> but I don't know if that's the same as expanding perspective. I, I am, have put I on, am picturing a shirtless Bill Nye up on a bar right now, baby. <laughs> that's uh, yes. Uh, I, uh, uh, with that said, I've tried on the glasses. I've tried closing my eyes for extended periods. 
trying to d- turn off all your senses. I've tried uh, meditation uh, with extraordinary uh, input or techniques with uh, words to say, thoughts to think, breaths to feel on your upper lip. I've tried all this stuff. But not my, never really had my reality expanded, my perception of reality expanded, got to say. Okay. Oh, I've tried. <laughs> but I haven't tried as hard. Like I knew people who take LSD. Right. And they've had, they claim, you know, good experiences. Yeah, but they it, all come back a little afraid of it. Okay, yes. I was going to say, there's a, there are a lot of people who have good experiences with uh, LSD. Or even if it's not LSD, like just any hallucinogenic, like mushrooms. or And they, they tend to like it. And, and then at the same time, they are very leery. Like they don't, they would never say, yo, man, you should do that. Like I've, I don't, I don't know too many people who are like LSD, man, you gotta do that. I don't know too many people like that. It's not my, it's not right. my thing, but yeah. I'm, you know, people, I am dull and boring. I mean, I have an uh, unexpanded life. Uh, right. Give me a perspective. Expand me. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, this is from Cosmos Matters. This is the person, that's what they call themselves. It may not be, it could be his real name. Cosmos Matters. Mm. That's true. Cosmos is a real name. Uh, from Facebook. What waste management strategies are they considering when people go to Mars? I sometimes think we need to save Earth before potentially polluting and messing up another planet. So he is assuming that when we go to Mars, we are going to screw it up. Well, he raises a very important point. He raises a very important point and key point, something to consider. You don't want to contaminate another planet, especially if you're going there as an explorer to look for signs of life. Prime directive. The prime directive. And the prime directive is, of course, spiritually reasonable. Don't let other people, don't mess up other people's societies. But technically or scientifically, it's a guideline, a very good, strong guideline. If you're going to try to look for the evidence of some Martian microbe, a Mars probe, you don't want to bring a bunch of microbes from Earth that would contaminate them. You wouldn't be able to tell one from the other. That said... I will just remind everybody, it is my opinion, as you pointed out earlier, Chuck, my opinion, Bill Nye's opinion is so often correct, <laughs> that you don't, you don't really want to go live on Mars. You want to colonize Mars. Now, listen. See, you say that, Bill, but you have to understand that you say this in the face of an actual lust for living on Mars. There is a living La Vida Loca Mars movement <laughs> right now. You got the movie Martian. Loved it. <laughs> but he's not colonizing it. Okay. He's doing scientific research and he fully intended to come home. Right. Right. He's like, oh, I can't wait to live where I can't breathe or but, drink or eat. But, cool. <laughs> but you do want to go find out because everybody, we are living, it's 2015 as we record this. Okay. In the next hundred years, humankind will know whether or not there was living. There are living things on Mars, or were living things on Mars. Humankind will probably know whether or not there are living things on Europa, the moon of Ju- of Jupiter, mm-hmm. with twice as much seawater as the Earth. Right. I want to do it now. I want to do this exploration now. And as far as waste management on Mars, the main thing I would say, Cosmos, is. Uh, you got to conserve water. You don't want to waste water. About 90% of human waste is water. So you want to recover all that. When you go to set up your Mars base to do your scientific research, to learn about Mars's past and uh, prepare for our future, uh, to have a safe journey and the joy of discovery, we also hope you keep track of all that water. It's precious on Mars. You know, it's kind of precious here on Earth, too, if you kind of look around. I mean, uh, do you think that that's something we should be worried about here? Oh, Chuck. I did not cue Chuck up on this, people. Yes. The, the, those are one. The water is one of four's bi- Bill Nye's big four. Oh, really? Yes. I did not know Bill Nye had a big four. Yes. I must hear all all four of them now. (laughs) What we want is uh, electrical storage, a way to store electricity. Okay. We need electrical transmission. All right. So once Uh, you store it, you get it from place to place. We waste about 6%, lose about 6% in transmission. That's huge. It's enough to power Montana or Saskatchewan or some exotic place. Wow. And then, then we need... A, a new policy. We need to penalize or incentivize people to not make carbon dioxide. 
We need a, t- a fee on carbon dioxide. This is a big policy. It's a big, heavy thing. Then the fourth thing is clean water for everyone on Earth. So if you can come up with a way, Cosmos out there, if you can come up with a way to desalinate seawater Ooh. more cheaply than we are able to do, I mean, we do it. But if you could do it more cheaply, and by cheaply, I mean using less energy, right? you could get rich and change the world, improve the quality of life for humans everywhere. Yes. Oh, I must pull back. I must pull back. All right. And I cannot help but point out that these big four are described in my upcoming book, Unstoppable, Harnessing Science to Change the World. Uh, it comes out November 10th. They're 20 in a carton. They make great gifts. <laughs> Pick up a carton today. <laughs> Pick up some eggs. If you want them autographed, I know a guy. There you go. All right, Cosmos. Uh, good question there. So there you have it. Uh, let's uh, save water uh, on Mars and on When Earth. you go to Mars when in waste Mars. management, you want to save water. Save water. That's yeah. the number one thing. And let's well, do it here. number one. It's a thing. It's, it's an the important thing. thing. You've got to save thing. air, too. Yeah. That makes sense because I don't. I hear there's not a lot of it. But they there. want to like we're gonna in situ resource utilization. Isru, we're gonna make oxygen from the regolith. Okay, it's just it's just not that easy. <laughs> cool. See, when you say it's not that easy, what I hear is that ain't happening. <laughs> well, no, we'll see. We're gonna run tests see, on that, the 2020 that, rover. We're okay. gonna get started on this. All right, cool. That's cool. That's cool. All right, um, let us go to. Uh, let's go to another Patreon question, okay? And for those of you who don't know, Patreon is uh, at patreon.com where you can go and you can uh, help Star Talk sustain this wonderful programming that we bring to you and uh, be a sponsor of the show. And uh, we, sp- we pay special attention to you because you have made an investment. Like, uh, so Joel- you're saying people are buying their way on the air. That's exactly what I'm saying, and I have no problem with it. <laughs> They're patrons and supporters. That's Lead right. on. That's right. And this is from Joel Cherico, and uh, he's at Cherico Pottery and from St. Joseph, Minnesota. And this is what Joel wants to know, Bill. Smartphones and computers give us amazing access to information, but come with financial burdens. Should powerful new technology be, technology be made available to everyone, or is it fair that only those who can afford new technology are the ones that can use it? Wow, this is really opinion. This is straight up Bill Nye's opinion. Kind of like the art question, the technology question. When art is made, is it for everyone or is it just for the rich people who can afford to commission it? When technology is made, is it for everyone or is it just for those yuppies who actually need to do stuff with apps? This, so you're saying that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah what sounded your, like Chuck's to me. No, I'm saying that's, good. that's the question. Well, what, that's good. No, what's I'm, your opinion? I kid because I love. <laughs> so what you want is for everyone to have access to the internet. You want everyone to have access to the world's information. This is to say, this doesn't mean all the information is free, but you have access to it. For example, if you buy a book online, right, you want the author to be uh, to be compensated. Of course, so you have to buy it, and there's the electronic scheme to do that. But I remind everybody that the in the example of the post office, the United States Post Office. You can send a letter from Miami to, uh, what's another exotic place? Uh, Tampa. Okay. For the same price, (laughs) you can send a letter from Tampa to Juneau, Alaska. It's the same price. And the reason is not because our forefathers, the, the drafters of the Constitution were crazy. It's to enable people to vote, to engage the whole country or ultimately the entire planet in the same means to communicate. Uh, the reason the post office was established was to have communication for everyone. In the same way, now that we have the internet, which is the electronic equivalent of the post office, we want to include everyone. And people have talked quite a bit in my business of science education and education writ large about the digital divide. Yes. You don't want to have people excluded from participating in information-based uh, events or uh, information exchanges uh, without, uh, because of money. With the, and so this is why we want to not have – we want to have a, a neutral internet where everyone gets access. This is to say um, <clears throat> it's not free, 
mm-hmm. and the way it, the way it would be paid for is through taxes. In the same way, we expect sewers to work. Water in the United States, water out of the tap to be drinkable. Right. Or if you want to change Whether that. Whether you can afford water, it or not. Yeah, right. It's there. Uh, in the same way everybody gets has access to electricity, you can control how much you buy. Mm-hmm. We want everyone to have access to the information. So that's – to leave people out based on money is – information is power. It is really – it sounds cool. But, okay, so now let, let me. It is not in everybody's best interest. All right, let me just follow up uh, on Joel's uh, question with this. Okay, you're talking about net neutrality. Uh, net neutrality. Why, when you say everyone should have access to the information, the the question me as a soulless capitalist pig who needs to make money no matter what. Yeah, because that's my God given right as an American. <laughs> All right. Yes. Why? <laughs> Why do these people? Why should they have access to the internet when they can't afford it? I mean, what is the be- we, wait, make what it is, affordable? What is the benefit? What's the benefit of what's the downside of having people not have access to sewers? Uh, we have poop in the streets. Yeah. So in the same way, if you have people excluded from the goings on in society, you're going to have people that become a burden rather than contributors. Ah. And this is, I'm first to admit, you know, this progressive, bleeding heart, liberal, liberal, crazy, thoughtless, two chickens in every pot perspective. <laughs> but believe me, if you exclude people- I'm hungry. People, I don't know why I'm yeah, very yeah, hungry yeah. now. If you exclude people from what goes on in the community electronically, you're, you're, there will become a burden rather than contributors. Just imagine you're trying to hire somebody who- who goes home and cannot receive email from you or cannot communicate with you or does not have a phone, that person is much harder to employ. True. And so uh, that person then will ultimately pay less taxes Ah, or none ah. and will become a burden on you. Right. And so this is uh, – while this is obvious to me and not other people, is charming. Okay, so – But who do we hate more than the cable company? I mean, very few things. (laughs) And so you want to – you want to straighten that out and make it competitive. <laughs> you are so – boy, you touched the nerve there. That's for yeah, sure. So we want to straighten that out and make it comp- reasonably priced and competitive. And this gets in – as we say, just like a machine should have all the parts it needs and no more, we want our government regulations – our government, rather, to enact and enforce all the regulations it needs but no more. Gotcha. All right. Hey, Joe, what is great- why we have governments and legislatures and we argue about stuff. No, all that stuff should go away. I'm sorry. As a libertarian, I'm just saying there should be no regulation. People should do whatever they want to okay, do. So they build their own telephone lines, that's it. their own routers. Can and a string, Bill. <laughs> Can and string. Okay, who paves the road out front of your place? Uh, gr- d- grab- you hire people. Gravel. Get you yourself, hire, some, get yourself some gravel. You got yourself a road. <laughs> Where okay. do you get gravel from? Gravel Co. <laughs> Your other libertarian right, buddy libertarian who sells gravi- uh, gravel. Right. There you go. Okay, well, does he get his gravel from a glacial till, <laughs> or does he get it by stealing it from the other libertarian gravel? dot com I don't or know. Weeby Gravel. I don't know. I think you're. I think you're just patronizing me to uh, blow holes in my argument. Well, here. I'm just uh, yeah. reminding us all that we live uh, in <laughs> communities, and it's communities are where you're where you're productive. Communities are where you have radio shows. Communities are where people work together to create wonderful things, like Star Talk Radio with Chuck Nice and your host Bill Nye. And we will be back right after this. Welcome back. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. Bill Nye hosting this week. I'm joined today by none other than Chuck Nice. That's right. And we are doing your questions. We are answering your questions from an expanding of perspective point of view. Now, this fall, uh, I guess earlier this month, that we had Comic-Con in yes, New York. We did. Yes, we did. Which is you know, sort of Halloween on the Hudson. And uh, Nice. <laughs> so... We have some uh, co- expanding of our perspective queries in cosmic query sense from Comic Con. Yes, is that true, Chuck? That is correct. So we were uh, we were out at Comic Con, and we you know we uh, took a microphone and got some people who were fans of the show to ask us uh, you know some, so some questions. we could say roll that digital recording. Absolutely, that's all we have to do is roll the tape and uh, let's see uh, who it is and what they want to know. Leora from New York. 
Hey, Bill. How much of humanity's trash is currently on Mars? How much of humanity's trash, trash. is currently on Well, they're very valuable scientific instruments. Do you want to call the parachute that landed the Spirit and the Opportunity rovers? Are those trash? Are those glorious artifacts of humankind dedicated to exploring the solar system so that we would know the cosmos and our place within it? Or are those refuse? I would say there's no human trash on Mars. No human trash on Mars. Not yet. And that's because you are not a Martian. (laughs) If you walked out of your front door on Mars and you saw a big parachute laying on your lawn, you'd be like, who put that trash there? Or you'd say, wow, how do I take advantage of this wonderful wonderful alien material? That's true, too. Yes, I guess. Wow, this is a gift from the sky. (laughs) Cool. The gods must be crazy. Okay. All right, well, there you have exactly. it. Exactly. Instead of a Coke bottle, Instead of a it's, Coke a, bottle uh, it's a big giant parachute. parachute. That's pretty cool. Or sky crane. <laughs> All right, excellent, excellent. No trash on Mars, no human trash on Mars as of yet. Here to four. Here to four. All right, I, uh, let's go with this name here, okay? That's an unusual name. <laughs> How do I spell that? <laughs> All right, Dihrik Iswig Chaya, or Kaya. All right, Dietrich Kaya. Dietrich Kaya. Okay, from Facebook. I am from Alaska. My question for you, Bill, is, what do you believe our next step in space exploration is or should be? We've been to the moon, but we haven't gone in a little while. Is our next step another trip to the moon? Is it perhaps an asteroid, Mars, Europa? Where do you think it is, and where do you think it should be? Uh, I'm listening to the nature of your question. I think you mean, what's the next place for people? Because in 2020, we're going to land another rover on Mars. Okay. Shortly after that, we hope by 2023, we'll have a mission orbiting, a spacecraft orbiting Europa. The very thing you brought up. Right. 2016, Juno will be in orbit around Jupiter. Cassini's right. still working Saturn and so on. But what we at the Planetary Society propose is that NASA get its uh, self-organized okay. so that we send humans in orbit around Mars in the year 2033. This is an especially favorable orbital opportunity. I mean, it's not magical, but it's favorable. And we would have enough time to build the architecture, and architecture is space words for a bunch of rockets and spacecraft ship things that you would use to get humans all the way to Mars in orbit around Mars, and then probably four years later, you would land on Mars. In 2033, that orbital mission might land on Phobos, and the word land, Phobos is a moon of Mars. Mm-hmm. It has so little gravity. How little does it have? It's more like lasso Phobos more than land on it. <laughs> and so this would be an extraordinary thing. And the, the claim of the Planetary Society, we sponsored a workshop in the end of uh, March, beginning of April this year. We brought in 70 of the world's experts, people expert on what it costs to explore space and experts on NASA's budget. And we could do this only adjusting for inflation. The key thing would be to agree that we've actually agreed to actually agree actually to actually not support the International Space Station with NASA money after 2024. So wait a minute. Is that the condition under which we would be able to go to Mars is that we no longer support the well, without an increase in the budget. Oh, okay. Yeah. Without an increase in the yeah, budget. Yeah. If you just leave the budget just the way, it, adjusting only for inflation, which is an increase, but an expected one. Right. You could do it. We could do it. And this would be an extraordinary thing. And as uh, my, uh, what is he, regular host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, often remarks, if we were really people going to Mars, there would be a line around the block of people who wanted to go. And what we would do is go there to look for signs of life. If we were to discover life on this other world, it would change this world. It would change the way everyone feels about his or her place in space. Would it now? Uh, uh, let's, uh, I'm not saying we'd listen, start driving I, I, on the left. I know, but I'm, <laughs> I'm saying it would be, it would just get to you in the same way Copernicus so, showed the earth goes around the sun. It changed everything, not in a weekend. No, you're right, because it took quite some time for that to happen. So what would be, in your estimation, when you talk about expanding perspectives? Which is what we're talking about here on Cosmic Query on Star Talk Radio. Right. 
What would be the number one perspective or change in people's perspective? Okay. What would the delta be for that perspective in humankind because you found some microbes on Mars? And we're not talking about, you know, uh, the, the, just the microbes that you don't have on Earth. What does that do to the perspective? Life is more likely than you thought. So there's got to be something else out there. Right. And it's once again, this humbling nature of astronomy. You think you're the center of the universe? No, you, first of all, you think your territory, the map that you draw is the whole thing. Then you go over some mountains and there's some other people whose skin's slightly different color and their faces are a little different shape. And you go, dude, well, we're in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> For example. <laughs> then you find out you expect the sun to go around your flat place. But then it turns out, no, you go around the sun. And wait, the sun isn't the only star. Wait, there's billions of stars. Wait, there are things that look like stars that are actually groups of billions of stars. Wow. And you're in one of them. And you suck because you are nothing. You are smaller <laughs> than you could even at first imagine. But then you find out, not only do you suck that way, you suck because there's life on another planet right down the solar systemic street. Wow. And somehow it's your fault. No, wait. Then the question would be, are those things on Mars like us, to wit? Do they have DNA? Okay. If they have DNA, what would that mean to medicine? It would mean DNA is always there. DNA is, or does it mean, obviously, when Mars was hit with an impactor, SFX coming. That's Mars getting a bitch slap uh, from the cosmos. <laughs> Then uh, whoo, 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 rock went into outer space, but you're in space. There's no sound, just whoo. and then landed on Earth. <laughs> right, fiery entry. And then you and I are descendant of Mark Martian microbes. Right, that is extraordinary. See now, that see. is wild, and now. that would change. I hope the way you feel about it, what it means to be a living thing, and I hope it gives you just that much more reverence, right, for the cosmos and our place within it. It is worth exploring. This The NASA budget now is 0.4% of the federal budget, less than half a percent. And you could keep it right there, just adjusting for inflation, and you could change the world. Then you engage international partners, Canadian Space Agency, European Space Agency, right. uh, Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency, ISRO, Indian Space Research Organization, Chinese Space um, Administration, and here we are. Changing the world together. Nice, nice. I'm okay. I'm okay. Wow. You know that was that was I'm real. okay, Chuck. I'm Do okay. you need some water? Because that was fantastic. I'm all right. I'm all right. Let's uh, let's get another. All right. Let's another question from Comic. All right. Let's do a Comic Con question, shall we? Uh, let's hear it. Hey, Bill. This is Sam Eifling. I live in Brooklyn. I'm at Comic Con. I had this thought, and I want to know what you think about it. There must be a finite number of possible molecules that we could catalog and understand in the same way that we've done with human genes. Is there any chance we will ever have a full catalog of all the possible, let's say, organic molecules available to us on planet Earth? Hmm. Uh, uh, that's a great question. And I'll say people are pursuing this in plants. There are people at the Boyce Thompson Institute at Cornell that are working hard to assay or assay all the different molecules in plants that people didn't realize were there. Okay. But I have to say from a practical standpoint, you probably never get every molecular combination because, because we just can't think of them. And when you start talking about polymers, do you count ultra-high molecular polyethylene like Tupperware? Mm -hmm. And then do you count plastic wrap, food film? Right. Which is a different – like uh, then it gets to be a question. You know, Chuck – that question is sort of overwhelming, <laughs> and I, but nevertheless, I feel a jolt, and by that, I mean, I think it's time for the lightning round. There you have it. It is time for the lightning round. Shall we? Yes, this is where you hit me with a question. Answer really quickly, then I hit the bell. Take it, Chuck. This is Bethany DiCapro calling from Facebook. Uh, here she says, what do you think it would take to unite the human beings on this planet? Big question. Working together over the next century and a half to resolve climate change. Wow. Good one. 
Kelly Elizabeth Claus from Facebook wants to know, what are your thoughts on toys and games such as Goldie Box that are recently being developed and marketed towards young girls to help foster an early interest in engineering, which you are, Bill. You're an engineer. What? What do you think about that? Oh, it's terrible. No, wait. It's great. Come on. It's great. The more, the merrier. Let's go. We'll get. We'll double the number of brains uh, applied to engineering problems, and we will improve the quality of life for humans everywhere. What's not to love? Okay, and follow-up question. Uh, do you think that those games work? Uh, time will tell. You, it's hard to say right away. But intuitively, if the parents are excited about it, then the kid will get excited about it because kids watch what the parents do and and emulate them. For better or for worse, that's the way it is. And full disclosure, everybody, Chuck Nice has three kids. <laughs> but I'm not a role model. Okay, this one comes from <laughs> this one comes from Gabe Dominguez on Facebook. How can we get more women into STEM careers? At what point in life do you think the little girls stop believing that they can become astronauts or inventors? The key may be algebra by engaging people students in school when uh, in letters representing numbers much sooner than we do now so that when you take uh, formal algebra in seventh grade let's say in the united states the stakes aren't as high apparently th algebra not only enables you to think abstractly about numbers it enables you to think abstractly about all sorts of things and so but in a formal fashion and that's what uh so we could just up the algebra budget just a little bit mm -hmm. and see what happens keep in mind it takes years for these things uh now the european space agency is largely run by women but uh, it took many years or decades for those people to work their way up through the brittle glass ceilings there you have it okay bradley dean summerfield from Facebook wants to know this. Is there room in our current understanding of the universe for the possibility that our consciousness may in fact reside somewhere in space and not necessarily within the brains of our bodies? Wow. In a word, no. <laughs> no, because if you hang around people who grow old and die, mm -hmm. it certainly seems like as they lose their faculties, which many of us do, it certainly seems like it's a chemical thing going on in your brain. But when I watch science fiction, when I read my science fiction, it would be great to put your consciousness in some receptacle as long as I still could feel the whole thing. Wow, that was oddly sexual. I don't know why. Talk on right. <laughs> exactly what we're talking about people what did you think i was talking about okay here we he's go. the guy with three kids are you down with cause and effect chuck we got time for one more question here Hit we it. go kayla len yetman on facebook wants to know this as we explore the universe more and more in search of life and answers if we did encounter new life microbial or intelligence or ascension how do you think the world proceeds from that point forward we would think differently about what it means to be alive in the universe, in the cosmos, and we would have more respect for it, and that would improve the quality of life, quality of life for humans everywhere. Let's work together and change the world. This has been Star Talk with me, Bill Nye, as your host, joined by Chuck Nice. Together, that's right. Keep looking up. Uh, greetings, greetings. Bill Nye here on Facebook Live in the Star Talk Studio. And uh, I'm here with um, the remarkable and insightful and hilarious and very nice Chuck Nice. Oh. Chuck Nice. Hey, Bill. What's uh, happening? Chuck, How are you, buddy? Uh, while we're on Facebook Live, Facebook the world Live. could be watching if the world chose to. The world could watch. be watching if the world chose to we watch. We have a topic today that you want to discuss. Well, you know, before we, uh, you know, we're going to take some questions as we all do. Whenever we do Facebook Live, we take some questions from the audience. Taking questions. Uh, but before we do, got to tell you about Star Talk All Access. Of course, you know, uh, if you want to get exclusive original content, if you want video versions of the actual podcast that we do, Star Talk. Talk All Access is the way to do it. It is a subscription service, and um, we've got great stuff on there. This week, we've got an extended interview with Terry Crews, the muscle guy from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He and Neil did an interview. We also have, from our holiday party, a Neil Dit, which is uh, uh, where Neil talks to people who, uh, how can I put, comment on his videos, and they, 
They say all kinds it's a of video about the people who comment on the video. Yes, it is very meta. It's, it's nested. It's meta. Yes, very meta. It's the modern expression. There you go. Yes. I'm so, uh, but uh, right now, because we're live, it gives us an opportunity to interact with you. And if you want to ask a question, I mean, there's a bunch of people on here already saying, of course, they're just showing you all kinds of love. Oh, love you, Bill. And hey, look at this. Uh, Heather comes right out of the box. Can a four-dimensional math assist in developing time travel? How about that? Maybe. So we have four-dimensional math, everybody. Okay. So there's uh, Y and X and Z, and then there's time. So time's the fourth dimension. So when you have an autopilot on a modern plane, for example, you have to put in not only where you want to go at what altitude above sea level, you have to also put in what time you want to get there. You can't put that in any time. There's a range of times that will permit. As far as time travel goes, seems to me you'd have to take the fourth dimension into account. (laughs) So far, there's no way to travel backwards in time that anybody knows of. Uh, You can travel forward in time. We just did. (laughs) So there there is a physics theory that you could build a time machine that would enable you to go back in time, but you can only go back to when the machine was built. And you have to travel at relativistic speeds, which would kill you, would tear you like a black hole. You'd be spaghettified. Spaghettified. You'd be some trouble. Now I'm hungry. Right now, the answer simply, as far as I know, is no. There you go. So, uh, along with this, wishful thinking about time machines. I always remind people, just try to be in the moment. This is the time we're alive right now. Embrace it. There you Let's go. Make the world a better place. Take it, Chuck. Hey, so, uh, hey, great answer. And uh, I love this. Uh, Glenn March just says, hey, Bill, which is more numerous, stars in the Milky Way or your collection of bow ties? <laughs> <laughs> right now, because of my new and fabulous relationship with Nick Graham, the clothing designer, I am now kind of about 500 bow ties. Really? There are about 200 billion stars in our galaxy, so... Oh, so there's kind of, what, six in one hand, yeah, half yeah, a dozen? Really, yeah, really, yeah, six in right. one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, so uh, let's find somebody who... Well, first of all, gosh, Bill, I got to tell you, people just love you, man. It is amazing. Like, uh, Bill, Bill, one, uh, one person just goes, Bill, Bill, well, Bill, Bill. Song. We love the song. Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, hey, Bill, Frank Kane wants to know this. Hi, Bill. What is the best thing we can do as citizens to promote the education of science and hopefully teach the next generation that the truth and facts are actual things? Uh, well, that's what you, what you should do is watch Star Trek All Access Live. That's what you should do, right? Am I right, people? I, God, I love that answer. So, uh, yeah, you should watch this podcast and turn it up loud. You should, everybody, we have to participate. Right now, we have a situation where people are denying each other's points of view we have to have a way of uh, communicating that involves a partnership we're in this together we're going to learn about climate change together we're going to learn about the role of um, of finances and tax structures together we're going to do this together and this is a a difficult time but i propose that if we just get started the longest journey starts with a single step so hi everybody i hope you're watching the show all of you there you go. Um, how about this one? This guy just says, Bill, can you please ring the bell? We love that. Um, boom. There you go. Asked, answered. Okay. You asked, you receive. Um, here. Oh, God. Did I miss this one? I just went. Uh, Feeling it. The excitement. The excitement. I'm losing it. Excitement slipping away. Bring it back now. Um, how, how do you handle a flat earther? Oh, you guys, there's not that many flat earthers. Yeah, I don't think I mean, that. I mean, it's not a big thing. And it's not a real thing. I don't think you it's know, real. You I look, think these are people who are desperately in need of attention. In medieval texts, you find references to round earths. There hasn't been a real flat earth person in a long time. And you guys, we have pictures from space, if you're not happy with that. Go on a, go on a cruise. You get over the horizon, you can't see land anymore. Why is that? Just try it yourself. Don't right. take my word for it. There you go. Next time there's a lunar eclipse, look for the Earth's shadow on the moon. Um, Jess Woods wants to know, how do we push back against this age of science deniers, especially from uh, on a political side? How do we do it? How With do- Star Talk Live. That's how we do it? What? Sure. Uh, no, the longest journey starts with a single step. So we're doing this kind of show. 
to raise awareness that uh, the science, I claim, is the best idea people have ever had. Mm -hmm. We work very hard to find a justifiable true belief, to learn things about nature. The atomic number of rubidium is 37, and that's just how it is. It's very little evidence that it's any other number. So we embrace that, and we move forward along this line. We look at the neutrons in ice, and we count. We look at the bubbles in the snowflakes between the tines and ancient ice, and we figured out the world's getting warmer faster than ever in human history, so we got to do something about it. Yeah. Take it, Chuck. There you go. So Jim Farr, uh, with a P in front of it, so it's not Piffar. I guess it's Jim Farr. Hey, Bill, any idea how we can teach critical thinking to the youth of America? Uh, I, how, how do we get critical thinking as a... I don't say a curriculum, but... Well, it is in science class. We wanted to have so-called critical thinking uh, being embraced. And just everybody, roughly, critical thinking involves at least three things. Uh, You have to start with a claim. Mm -hmm. The claim has to have a way that it could be shown to be false. In the case of the... If I say the earth is round... And you say the Earth isn't round. You have to. We have to agree on a method by which we could show that the that the Earth is not round. But then, but in that one example, every time you try to do that, you find that the Earth really is round. And then you have to respect authority. You have to agree on somebody that's an authority. If I claim the atomic number of rubidium is thirty-seven, we have to agree on a way to prove that with, I guess, a mass spectrometer, and uh, we could, of course, read scientific papers. So, uh, and then, uh, and then I just always ask everybody, the simplest explanation is generally the best. A, a, a hypothesis and a scientific explanation should have all the features and parts it needs, but no more. The same with environmental regulations, should have all the regulations we need, no more. No more. But all the ones we need. All the ones you need. And so what would the problem we got right now, Chuck? Yes. Nice. Yes. Is people are doubling down on their denial. And this is apparently a result of a phenomenon called the backfire effect. I'm not trying to introduce a term to explain the phenomenon, but when people are in denial about evidence, they and they're confronted with new evidence that conflicts with their belief or worldview, they double down. It's human nature. You double down on your denial. Mm -hmm. And so right now we're in a phase where people who are very influential in the world's most uh, important or world's largest, most influential government are in denial about climate change. So we got to work together in a partnership to show that there's a way to know that the earth is getting warmer because of humans. And then we can all work together to resolve it. What do you say? Come on, everybody. It'll be fun. How could you deny an appeal such as that? Amazing. All right. Um, love you, Bill. So glad you're outspoken. That wasn't from me, even though I love you, I am outspoken. That was Johnny. I'm in here. That was Johnny. out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, these, uh, a lot of you guys are kind of giving us the same questions, so... That's your job, uh, Chuck. You're a filterer of that, questions. I am the filterer of questions. You're query filterer. You shall not pass. Okay, um, no. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Yeah, you're just, you're angry today, from? Chuck. You've had know. anger. I've had a lot of anger today. Today, today yeah. Because you got three kids. <laughs> you know what? That, about the future. That says it all. That says it all. Um... Let's see here. Uh, I am a. Oh, hey, this is. Oh, God. Ra, Raja and Nim, Nirmal Raja. Hey, Bill, I'm a museum educator and I talk to kids about a lot of things from dinosaurs to galaxies. What do you think that every single kid uh, in the general public should know about science? Oh, well, the big thing we want you to get, a student of any age, is that science is a process, it's a way we know the world. We have thought about this for centuries, and humans have come up with this idea that you observe a phenomenon in nature that you find remarkable. You'll notice my eyebrows went up as a representation like this. <laughs> and then you come up with an idea in your head that you th- would think would explain this, what we call a hypothesis, and this is the idea below, hypothesis. Okay, so then you come up with a test to see if your hypothesis uh, might be true. And then you run a test and you compare what happened to what you thought would happen. And then you come up with another hypothesis. You continually revise it, working our way to truths, to the justifiable truth or belief, to the to something that you are pretty sure has got to be true. Atomic number of strontium is uh, uh, 38, for example. 
And so this process is we want everybody to embrace. And if you want to look around, we are on electric computer machines, and all this is a result of the process of science. Humans have understood the four fundamental forces in nature that we know of so far, and we've created this technology that is based on our understanding of nature, and we eat food grown on farms based on our understanding of nature and natural processes, and we communicate around the world because we learn to navigate on this big ball. And we know that it's a ball because we've, had a hypo we've come up with hypotheses, we've run tests, and we've compared what happened to what we thought would happen. That's the main thing. Science rules. There you have it. Well, hey, listen, thanks for all the love you guys are showing us on Facebook Live. To Chris and Zachary and Jared and Burton and Jim and Jai and Christian and Tina and Dakota. Uh, we're not going to get to you guys, but just wanted to say hi. <laughs> and we, thank you. And we love you and thank you. Uh, and make sure that you go to StarTalkAllAccess.com. Subscribe to our service that gives you original, exclusive content, as well as everything that we do commercial-free. And until next time, Bill? Turn it up loud! Thanks for watching, everybody. This is StarTalk. Talk.